Welcome to the Blind Jesus Freak Podcast, a podcast that focuses on living a Christ-centered life with a visual impairment. Even if you don't have a visual impairment, stick around. You might just be blessed by how the blind look at God's Word. Yeah, the pun is totally intended. And now, here's your host, the Blind Jesus Freak himself, Mike Calvo. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you're at, this is Mike Calvo, and I'd like to welcome you to yet another edition of the Blind Jesus Freak Podcast, number nine, number nine, as they would say for the Beatles. If I'm dating myself, I was born in 1967. I was not around when that song was released, at least I heard it later, and I certainly haven't heard it for a while. Now I'm going to have to whip out my old Beatles, not eight tracks or whatever, but CDs or something. I'll just shut up now and start talking about the podcast. I have with me today, I have Lisa Salinger here. Ladies first. Hello. Hi, Lisa. Hello. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. I I got two words for you, Lisa. The bunny. Oh, that song was stuck in my head. I couldn't get it out. I never (laughs) heard it before. Yeah, I was thinking of you lots. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) And back from partying around town with his family, Jamie Pauls. Welcome back. What did you do last week, man? What did you do for the celebration of Resurrection Day, etc., etc., etc.? Went to my parents' house, my wife and I, and my sister and brother-in-law were there, and we partook of... Yes, drum roll, please. We did eat ham, as a matter of fact, and it was quite good. And um, we should eat the bunny, the bunny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah my yeah. wife is a vegetal connoisseur, so next time we're together, you and she can talk veggie tales probably for um, as long as you want. Actually, you know, I have a desire in my heart, honestly, to fund, you know, VeggieTales is a ministry and people forget because of course they think that, oh, you know, they're selling videotapes and or, right. or DVDs and all that. But at the end of the day, it's a ministry. And so, you know, these guys aren't like running big Hollywood budgets or whatever. Right. The Lord has really put a desire in my heart, I think, and one that I, I pray and I, I, I pray that you guys partner with me on the prayer, at least, to be able to fund the audio mm-hmm. description, all of the VeggieTales stuff. There's probably about 50 DVDs Mm -hmm. or so, and that is really the desire of my heart because my kids get so much pleasure out of it, and to know that the gospel can be given to blind kids through this and the way that they approach ministry is just so amazing to me. Just everything, even, I mean, the bunny and uh, all of the different, you know, the giant pickle you know, Dave and the yeah. giant pickle, uh, <laughs> which was the David and Goliath story. I mean, just and the way that they address such serious issues, but in such a wonderful way that yeah. the Lord has just given them such an amazing way. And I, I actually communicated with them via email a while back, and they've just never had it in the budget to be able to do that. And I can understand, you know, we're a small market to begin with as blind folks and uh, blind Christians. Uh, well, we're <laughs> it's podcasts like this that are trying to do something about making that market even a little bit bigger. Right. But uh, so it really does resonate with me, though, to get described video in for this stuff. So something for your, uh, just your prayer list that the Lord open the door, if it not be through me, uh, if it's just something that I see and I just, oh, I want it, I want it, you know. But if the Lord gives me the opportunity to participate in sponsoring that and supporting that and donating to that and just whatever it is, I'd love to be a part of that. I think the fruit from that would be just simply incredible. I'm sorry. I think the vegetables from that would be just simply incredible. (laughs) That was bad. And this is where it's good that we're in remote locations because he could reach through that microphone and choke me. (laughs) I promise I won't do that. I promise, I promise, I promise. Never hurts to dream, though, does it? (laughs) Well, you know, and I'm going to do my best to keep my promises. But I can tell you one thing. I know somebody who does keep their promises. For sure. Absolutely. Yes, I do. And his name is Jesus. Jesus keeps his promises. The Father has made all kinds of promises. And that's what we're here to talk about tonight. Have you guys ever sat down to think about how many promises there are in that little old book we read called the Bible? A bunch. A lot. There are 
lots and lots and lots of promises. And those aren't suggestions. And, (laughs) you know, the world, of course, cynically says, well, promises were meant to be broken. Well, no, not really. Not when it comes to the word of God. In in Jeremiah 1.12, the Lord says that he's watching over his word to perform it. God holds his word in such high esteem, higher than himself, he says. That's pretty intense, dude. That's heavy. Yeah. And, you know, I I wonder how many people really understand that there are thousands of promises available to you as a Christian. You know, the Bible that we read, guys, is it's a will and testament. It's a testament. It's Jesus left. He said, it's finished. I'm done. I'm out of here. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. And at one point, I'm bringing the bus back and I'm going <laughs> to take some people with me and we're going to go have a wonderful supper. And then we're going to come back and kick some Satan booty. <laughs> and then we're going to start a new, you know, the, the, the new millennium and all that good stuff. But in the meantime, here is this testament of promises, thousands of them. And if anybody wonders what God's view is toward the blind. There's even a promise in the Bible specifically for the blind. Oh, seriously, I have several, but this is one of my favorite verses. I always forget as it's put the address. I believe it's Isaiah 46.10 or 42.16, I think. And it says, And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them, and not forsake them. And Now, wait a second. I'm sorry, but I'm kind of smiling and giggling at the same time, because it's like, you read the first part of that, it's like, duh, a blind person wouldn't know (laughs) the path that they're going by. I'm just thinking, just laughing, because it's funny. You know, the blind person is going to bring them through a path they do not know. Well, yeah, most of the paths that blind people go down, we do not know. Yeah, but you know what? So on and so forth. How many people... I'm making light of it. No, I know. But like, how many people do you know, especially, I found this a lot more with kids, and they want to test what you can do and what you can't do, and sometimes your sense of humor. And I've had people who will walk, and then all of a sudden, they will squat down abruptly like there's a step. And usually it's done in good fun. It gets old. Yeah. But, you know, God is saying, I'm the good-sighted guide. I don't mess with your head. I'm the good guide dog. I never get distracted. You don't have to correct me. And I remember learning to use a cane and trying to walk a straight line down a sidewalk and forget that stuff. But the whole crooked thing straight, to me, that was... God was thinking of me and some crazy sidewalks, I think. Great scripture. It is. And, and, you know, to understand where we are today, we need to understand where this started. Because as I watched the Bible series that I was quite enamored with, we didn't get to ask you about that, Jamie. Did you get to see the Bible series on on the History Channel? I unfortunately did not. I knew it was happening. I sort of didn't know exactly what channel it was on until it was actually done. But I guarantee you I'm going to check out any archives, especially if it becomes audio described, which I see. Yeah, it was an amazing thing. But what I was noticing, of course, it ended after Jesus's death and resurrection and and that kind of thing. And they did talk about John and, you know, they did cover some of the stuff in the book of Acts, but they jumped more to Revelation type of thing. But one of the things that a lot of folks don't know is that Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was a practicing Jew. Christianity did not really begin. They didn't start calling themselves Christians until the book of Acts, until after after Pentecost. Um, and when the and and the whole reason that those of us who are not Jews by descent um our Jews are our, our, our Christians today is because the Jewish nation rejected the teachings, at which point Paul was uh shall we say convinced <laughs> to spread <laughs> the news of the gospel to the Gentiles. 
And see, God has been making promises to the Jews. The promises of God is not a New Testament thing. I mean, it starts way back in the book of Genesis, the Abrahamic covenant that he made with Abraham um, early on. And then there are several covenants that are in uh, that are in the Old Testament. You've got the Davidic covenant. You've got the Abrahamic covenant. You've got the Mosaic covenant he made with Moses. A number of covenants that God made with his people before Jesus Christ ever came on the scene and before the Gentiles ever got the word. And what happened is we were grafted in to this covenant, into these promises that the nation of Israel had gotten from God from the beginning. If you go to Ephesians 3, 6, it says, to be specific, Paul is stopping here for a second because he really wants you to think about this here. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, of the promise in Christ. So, Paul has reaffirmed it, that we are not only partakers, but we are heirs. That means that the only way you can be an heir is if somebody leaves something to you. And usually, I mean, there are times where somebody will die and you'll get a call and you know they'll say, hey, you know, uh, somebody left you something in their will and it's a friend or whatever. But usually, for the most part, an heir is a family member. So if you are part of this family, and the Bible says that we've been grafted in, every promise in that book, both Old and New Testament, remember Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. And the promises were not part of the law. The law, which, you know, because people look at the Old Testament and say, well, the, the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore. No, 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 not true at all. The Old Testament has a great deal of relevance. I like to tell people that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament Testament revealed. revealed. So the promises of God, God doesn't take his promises away. God's not an Indian giver. If God promises you salvation, he's going to give it to you. If God promises you provision, he's going to give it to you. And that is so vitally important, especially to a person when they feel that they're dealing with a world that doesn't understand them, that doesn't think that they should have this or that or the other or the other. If you look to your heavenly father for your provision, and this is going to sound very radical, you know, but I can tell you that it's from experience that I tell you these things. I don't just tell you these things and then go off and do the opposite. The scripture says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. And these things, that's Jesus talking there. And that is in Matthew six thirty-two through 33. But before that, Jesus is talking about, don't worry about food, don't worry about this and that. If birds of the air are less than you and your heavenly Father feeds them, then isn't he going to feed you? Paraphrasing, of course. But all of these different things, promises are for you, but we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his, with a capital H, righteousness. We don't approach God of our own righteousness. Oh yeah, God, I'm here. I'm Mikey and uh, I'm here because I'm good. No, no, no. Father, I approach your throne because of the blood of Christ. And I ask you this in the name of Jesus which basically means everything I ask, I ask in the name of Jesus. And if it's according to God's will for my life, then I'm going to have it. That's just the way it is. And there's not anybody on earth that can take from you what God intends for you to have. This is something that we need to learn to understand as Christians. If it's yours, if God has called it to be yours, and he has confirmed to you beyond a shadow of a doubt, in your heart, in your spirit, that it's yours, then you know what? You need to, no pun intended, blindly walk through it, okay? And don't look at the circumstances. It's going to be what it's going to be. This very company that we're a part of today was spoken into existence. God gave me a vision. I've never written a lick of code in my life. I know nothing about it. And the first year of development 
for the software that we did that was never released, by the way, was done with a group out of Russia totally over Messenger. We never spoke. I got an email one day in my mailbox and they said, we'll do a proof of concept for you for nothing until you're happy and then you pay us. I was like, I'll do that. And I had an idea for this box that you talk to it and it talks to you and you can use it to access the internet. It was like a web TV at the time, you know? And these Russians wrote to me out of nowhere and we started working. And when we had kind of a communications breakdown, because at that time, what the Russian group thought was market ready and what we saw to be market ready were two entirely opposite ends of the spectrum. God then provided a kid out of Kansas, a young Christian kid named Matt Campbell, who was barely out of high school at the time to come on board and say, I can help you with that. And all through the vision that God gave me for the company, I've had to follow through and follow through and believe what he said and not what I saw, both literally and figuratively, because I don't see much. But what I have experienced, you can't trust it. And there are times where you got to shut yourself up because sometimes our saying nullifies our praying. We can go in there and have ourselves Holy Ghost party, man. We would just be hooting and hollering and shouting and jumping up and down and praying in tongues and proclaiming this and naming that and wanting this and having that and proclaiming this scripture over our lives and that scripture over our lives and then go outside and go, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay that. But Well, you know what? You just wasted your time, dude. Because in Proverbs 18.21, it says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who indulge in it will eat the fruits of it. And what does that mean? Does that mean that God's up there looking to throw rocks at you when you say something that's against his word? No. It's just that God's, when, 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 when God made man in Genesis, he said, let us make man in our image. Well, when God created the world, how did he do it? He spoke it. That's right. Now, the question is, who was he speaking to? He was speaking, yeah, he was speaking to the creation itself, to the thing he was creating. Jesus said, if you believe that you can cast this mountain into the sea, if you say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, then it will. Speak to the mountain. What is the mountain? The mountain is your problem. Speak to it decree a thing in that day you will decree a thing the scripture says and it will surely come to pass it doesn't say that it might come to pass it says in that day you will decree a thing and it will certainly come to pass wow how do we do that if we go to matthew 7 starting at verse 7 it says ask and it shall be given to you So the first thing, you got to ask, man. Well, you know, God knows what I need. Well, yeah, God knows what you need. But like any good father, he wants to have a relationship with you. He's not just going to throw it at you. Like any good parent, God wants to have a relationship with you. So the first thing that God wants you to do is to ask. Then the next one, of course, is to seek. Once you ask, then be expecting. Expecting. You know, so many of us ask and listen. I'm the same way. Has this ever happened to you guys where you'll like pray for something and you'll like pray your heart out, man, and all of a sudden God gives you to you? You're like, no, he didn't. Really? Lisa, has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Tell us what happened. No, I, I can't think of a specific situation. I just mean that he's answered and you asked for it, but then at least for me, I found I was surprised when he really did answer. Uh, like I said, I can't think of a specific, and that's not me trying to save face. It's me saying this has happened more than once. Do you have one, Jamie? Because I particularly don't, which is why I'm trying to make you guys look bad now. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't have, have a one. specific one, but I'll tell you what happens to me a lot, and it's the prayers that you pray kind of almost casually. They're sincere. You mean them. But, you know, it's like, God, I'd really kind of like to have that. If it be your will, if it's okay. I... And then he gives it to you. And it's like, I forgot I even wanted that. I forgot I asked for that. And that just 
humbles me. Well, you know, the thing is that once you find it, and the yeah. way that, you know, people talk about, well, this door, God opens this door, and God opens that door. Well, the only way that you're going to get a door open to you, unless you're going to barge through it, is to knock on it. Yeah. And that's what you got to do. So I know that this is probably elementary to some of those folks who are, as this pastor I used to go to, you want to talk about a pastor who created division immediately. I walked into the church and, and I was a young Christian and he, and he immediately says, for those of us who were raised in the church, it's like, oh, really? Yeah. Must you? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so it's ask, seek, and knock, which is basically ask which I never could get it right if it was knock, seek, and ask, or, uh, you know, seek, and then knock, and then ask, or ask, and knock, and seek. And and then somebody showed, look, man, it's just ask, ask, seek, and knock. It's like, oh, so if you ask, and then you seek, that means, God, I'm looking for this. You've put it in my heart to pray for this. Do you know that God even gives you the desires to pray for stuff, do you realize that of our yeah. own accord, we would never pray for nothing? You know, it's true. We, we would just never, we would go out and try and do it ourselves. It's just our own pride that prohibits us from praying. Praying and asking God for something is actually a humbling experience because what you're doing is you're admitting to God and yourself, I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. I need you, God. I need you to provide. And how does that happen? Well, God gives us a desire to pray. It's a very profound mystery that I don't understand. You know, I mean, that even the love we have for God, God gives us. So it's like, okay, I have nothing to do with this. But when we ask, then we seek. That means we ask believing that what we've asked for, we're going to get. And why? Well, because God put it in your heart and He watching over his word to perform it. And he's going to perform it. So you seek it. Okay, where is it? Where is that thing I asked God for? And when I think I found it, you know what? Hello? Is that it? Is that it? And when that door is opened, it says in verse 8, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. So it's basically meaning don't just ask and sit on your duff and wait for it to happen. You need to be active. You know, faith without works is dead. And that doesn't mean that your salvation is based on your works or anything like that. But you know what? We demonstrate our faith through action. The world is out there saying, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And the faith-filled person says, you know what? I'll believe it before I see it and I'll walk in it. Some of the great people in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11 died without seeing the manifestation of it. And they're heroes of faith, according to God. Well, yeah, I mean, we pray for things sometimes that take years and years and years to manifest. I mean, God promised Abram a son 25 years before he came. <laughs> yeah. So much that Abram right. and Sarai gave up on the whole thing. And that's when Hagar got involved. And oh my goodness, what a mess that was. But <laughs> God will promise you something in your youth. And this is a thing. If he promises you something in your youth and lays on your heart to do it, and then you pray for it, hold on to that nugget, man. Hold on to that nugget. It doesn't say, and for some who ask, they receive. It says, for everyone who asks, receives. It says, and to he who knocks, it shall be open. It doesn't say it might be open. Notice that the words are some, you know, there, there's no room for doubt here. These words are very matter of fact. I think that a lot of us don't see God's promises made manifest in our lives because being a little geeky, I understand the ones and zeros of things. You know, God is very precise about some things. And now let's not confuse that with how he is about grace. Grace covers a multitude of sin. You know, which means that if you don't follow something exactly to the letter and you need to say, God, I'm sorry, I goofed on that and repent that, oh, no, you didn't do it exactly. Therefore, lightning bolt for you. That's not what I mean. But there are aspects of doing things with God. It's not enough to know God's word. You need to know God's way as well. And how do you know God's way? By hanging out with him, you know, by hanging out with him. I say, Lord, teach yeah. me your word. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Show me how to do this, how to walk this out. How many people within the sound of my voice 
haven't had a dream, a goal, an idea that they've just wanted to do, that you've allowed your circumstance, your world, your surroundings, your friends, your family, your even your spouse, your children to talk you out of, or you may have talked yourself out of it, and God gave you an idea. You know, when an idea comes to you, when you get a vision of something, if you look at it and you say, oh yeah, I could do that. Yeah, you know what? Chances are, God's not in that. It's when you get them crazy ideas. Them crazy, I could, whoa, I could never do that. Those are God-sized ideas. When you're, I mean, if, if your ideas don't concern you about how they're going to happen, I mean, and that's all over the scripture. Look at Gideon. So when Gideon was going to war, and I don't exactly remember who it was he was going to war against. It was one of the ites. <laughs> so, some ite. Yes. <laughs> Let's go fight with some more of those ite people. But I remember <laughs> that he started with several thousand people. And God ended up winning that battle with 300 people. And why? So that Gideon would never, ever think, oh, yeah, God, I got this. Because that's exactly how he started. If you read the story, you know, he started, oh, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a nobody. And this and that. God says, well, go do this. Oh, yeah, God, I got this. I got all these dudes here. Yeah, we'll go down there. We'll, we'll take them out in an afternoon. And God says, no, 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 no. Wait a second. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. First of all, ask them how many of them are scared and tell them that they can go home. <laughs> And they ran. A bunch of people ran, but he still had a pretty good chunk of people. The Bible says that he looked at what he had, and he was still pretty confident. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but that he was still pretty confident that he was going to win this thing. And God said, well, no, 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 now take him to the river's edge. Take him over to the edge of the river over there and tell him to squat down and start drinking water. And the ones that lap like dog, you know, we're going to put them in this group. And the ones that put their hands down and cup the water and drink out of their hands, we're going to put them in that other group. And I forget which one of the two groups, which one was which. But the bottom line is that out of that little game that God put uh, Gideon through, there ended up being 300 soldiers that won a battle of against, I think it was like 10,000 ites that day. And it's an amazing, an amazing story. And uh, we'll make sure we have it in the show notes. So uh, tonight on Tuesday night, we're recording this. I don't exactly know exactly where it is. But you know what? Through the magic of production, by the time that it hits the airwaves, we'll know. Right? Right. You know, I was just thinking that production of something like this is a lot like God's plans for our lives. Because we come in and we stumble and we bumble. And even when we don't and we think it's pretty good, then it's, quote, produced. And we hear the finished product. And it's so much better than we could have dreamed. And I, I really think that's what God does with our lives when we're willing. If you've ever heard a good audio editor that can take something that sounds really rough, sounds pretty bad, honestly, and they clean it up, they restore it, they cut out the rough parts, the rough edges, smooth some things off, and the finished product is like, really? That was honestly that original file? Yeah, it's amazing. Continuing on with verse 9. Or what man is there among you when his son shall ask for a loaf, will give him a stone? Verse 10, or if he shall ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? Verse 11, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Wow. First of all, I always get this mind picture because, of course, they use different. Would you not give him a scorpion? You know, so I'm like, ah! <laughs> Daddy, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to have a boiled egg for breakfast. No, have a scorpion. <laughs> you know? It's just like, man, you know, um, yeah. I love that about Jesus. People thought um, and people think, and yes, Jesus was a very holy dude and all that, but that was one gritty guy right there. I mean, he would just say some things that would just trip me out, you know, that, that, that were just oozing with sarcasm. You know? And this, this is, this is one of those moments where it's like, really? If you guys being evil, I mean, come on now. You guys know how to give good gifts, right? Well, here it says that your heavenly father is going to give you what you need but you got to ask for it. 
That's the whole idea is we've got to ask and we've got to ask by believing. And it doesn't say, and by the way, my translation, it says all needs, not some needs, not a few needs, you know, and we need to look at words like that in the scripture. Words aren't in scripture by mistake, y'all. So if it says all, all means all. Amazing. But it doesn't mean some, but it means all, every single bit. You know, so if you have a need, not a want, and God, you know, I I used to tell people, well, I don't know if God's going to give you your wants. I think he'll give you your wants if they're not too crazy. If they're not too self-serving, you know, sure. I mean, he, he's a dad. I give my kids some of the things they want. I usually give them what they need more than what they want. And if I, being evil, in uh, according to Jesus here, know how to give my kids good gifts, he's going to give us what we need all the time, all that we need. But in Philippians 4.19, Paul says, but my God shall provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that's important because God will provide you all your needs according to his riches, which means when you ask for something, if God gives you an idea, if God gives you a vision, if God gives you a desire in your heart for a new job, for a new car, for a new relationship, for a new pair of shoes, whatever it is, If really, if you're in communication with the Lord, if you know that you speak to the Lord, you know, on a regular basis, he's going to give you that according to what he has. And he has everything. He owns everything. I had a conversation with someone a while back who said, you know, the difference in the way that I hear other people talk about Christianity and I hear you talk about Christianity It's different. You talk about Jesus like you know him, like you know me. And I said to that person, yeah, because I do. That's exactly, I talk to Jesus, Jamie, Lisa, like I'm talking to you right now. I don't know, Jesus, Heavenly Father, I beseech thee, please. You know, we change our voice and, you know, I beseech thee upon all that is holy to please. Stop. Stop. Jesus called us friends. When I talk to my friends, is what's up, bro? What you doing, dude? How are you? Are you chilling? <laughs> you know, I don't quite walk up to him. You know, I don't quite come in. And, hey, JC, what's up? But, <laughs> you know, but it might as well be. That's the comfort he wants. The Bible says to boldly approach the throne of grace. Boldly. You don't need shiny shoes, Lisa. You can just go. Just go. Say what's up. And that's an amazing thing to me. And it's something that I've had to learn because when I became a new Christian, it was like, uh, he gave me salvation. Maybe he'll take it away if I go bug him too much, you know? And after a while, when I read to cast all your cares upon the Lord, all of them, all means all. That's such a comfort when you think about um, the fact that we really can bring anything to him. Absolutely anything. You really... And said it all. I was just kind of letting that one soak in a bit. We know it, of course, you know, casting all your cares on him for he cares for you. But sometimes we, for lack of a better way of putting it, we just kind of need to marinate in it a little bit. We need to let it get into our pores, into our spirits. Amen. I was talking about wants a few minutes ago, and I'm looking here through my notes. And I notice here that in Psalm 23, 1, It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know why? Because really, when the Lord becomes your shepherd, when he really becomes that guiding force in your life, the desires of this world just become less and less of a concern. And that certainly doesn't mean that you're not going to be bombarded by things or or whatever. But I think of Jesus with the 5,000. And the disciples were freaking out. Hey, man, these people all got to go home, man. We don't got enough money in the box. And Judas is saying, yeah, man, I got to go drinking later. I got to go steal some money out of the box. You got to get rid of these people. (laughs) Not really, but uh, that's not true. That's not in the Bible. I don't want to put more stuff on Judas than he had coming to him already. But he did steal money from the box. Uh, It was implied. It was never stated straight up, but I don't believe it was implied. It was stated straight up. I know that it was implied that he would steal money 
from the box. He was the treasurer. But um, when they brought the point to Jesus that they needed to feed all these people that he had been teaching for several days, Jesus said, oh, okay, well, what you got? Well, we got five loaves and we got some fishes or three three loaves and five little fishes or whatever. We got some fish and some loaves here. And he said, oh, bring them here. Jesus didn't sweat it. He just thanked God for them and he started handing them out. I can just picture him reaching into the bag where these loaves and fishes were and just keep pulling out handfuls and handfuls and handfuls and handing them off to the disciples. Here, go take it. Here, put that. Go take some of that over there. And he kept reaching in and reaching in and reaching. It's not like this big pile of, you know, fish and loaves just appeared. He just kept taking and taking and taking and taking out of the bag and taking out of the bag. And it never ran out because he trusted that God was going to provide for what he needed at the moment to accomplish God's purpose, what God had called him to do. God called Jesus to teach. And then Jesus obviously felt that God called him to feed as well. Therefore, Jesus waited for God to provide the same way that God provided the lesson for Jesus to teach, which is the spiritual food. Amen. He provided the physical food as well. Now, how did that start? And we can preach a whole sermon on this. It started with a seed. It started with, okay, we've got these loaves and these fishes. Now, God could have done it out of thin air, of course, but we started, which means that we did the earthly part of it. We put something down, which, what is that? That's the representation of your faith. So you start with your faith. You say, okay, God, you've given me this idea to start let's do business. And I am going to go ahead and I'm going to go get the domain name, 20 bucks. That's all I can put into this right now, God. And God knows where you're at. So you go and you get your domain name. And all of a sudden you start talking about your new, my new business idea.com. You start talking to people and somebody else says, man, I like that idea. When's it going to come out? Oh no, you know, I'm looking for a programmer to write the website for me. Really? Well, you know, my uncle Joey, he does that stuff. Really? Yeah. He does our church website. Your church website? Really? Oh, wow. So you call Uncle Joey and Uncle Joey says, yeah, you know, I can do that for you. And in fact, I like the idea so much that I'm going to give you the opportunity to pay me in two or three parts. What can you give me now to get started? And as you go, as you knock, and as you ask, and then you seek, and then you knock, God is going to open those doors to you, but you need to start with faith. The same way as with the 5,000. And so God provides through his riches and in his glory. It's all about him. He does it to glorify himself. You see what I'm saying, folks? That is so vitally important. So vitally important that we understand you have so little to do with it. I have so little to do with it. And isn't that comforting? It becomes a comfort. At first, it's very unnerving. At first, it's very unnerving. And I'll tell you, you know, being a little more transparent here, and my staff and my PR people hate it when I do this, so I'm forewarning you. There have been times where we have been at a turning point, and I've said to the staff, you know, I really don't know where we're going to go with this yet. I don't know, but I know that God is going to give us a way to go. And while Serotech is not necessarily a, quote, Christian company, we're not a ministry in, in the conventional sense of the word, our principal, our owner, and chief cook and bottle washer here is a Christian and he is the Lord of my life. And if I do something, it's influenced by the direction of his Holy Spirit. And I certainly don't hide that light under a bushel. I certainly don't go and pray to God and, you know, take that and then go to the guys. Well, you know, guys, I got this great idea last night. I was just lying there and I just got this inspiration. And because I'm just so smart and I'm so wonderful. No, 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 no. Heaven forbid. I make sure I go to the staff and say, you know, I don't know, but we all need to pray. If you pray, if you don't pray, don't worry. The rest of us will pray and you'll, you'll get the memo, <laughs> you know, but I believe very firmly, whether you're a Christian or not, a prayerless people is a powerless people. And a person who prays without Jesus is powerless anyway, as far as I'm concerned. If you're a Christian and you're not praying, you're not walking in the power that God ordained you to have. You're not walking in the power Christ died for you to have. Prayer means power. There is power in your words. There's power in that relationship that you have with God. You know, prayer is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. That's where religion 
frustrates me to no end because it's a monologue. Hey, God, how you doing? Hey, God, how you doing? Hey, God, how you doing? Gimme, 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 God. Gimme, 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 God. That's not prayer. That's a monologue. And I would never want a relationship with anybody that spoke to me in a monologue. That's why the Bible says so clearly, come, let us reason together. I love the scripture that you just mentioned when God says, let's reason together. I mean, God is reasonable. Now, obviously, he's uh, the sovereign of the universe, and he is a whole lot smarter than we are. But he'll talk to us. He'll share with us. He'll explain things to us. I find that very comforting. You know, it says in the scripture that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. So, I mean, that makes total sense. And the fear of the Lord is to communicate with him. It's not fear like, oh, it's fear is communication. It's respect. It's awe. It's, oh, my goodness. Father, what do you think? Lord, direct me. Guide me. You know, Psalm 34, 9 and 10 says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Wow. Just, yeah, it's just amazing. And that's the thing is that, first of all, he, he says, all you saints, you know, we've talked about that before. We are saints and we don't want for anything. Our God provides for our needs. He's promised it. And the one message that I want anybody to take away from this entire time today, I hope, first of all, that it's been an encouragement to you. And if it has, I'd like you to write to us and let us know. Let us know what it means to you. What promises has God given you in your life and fulfilled and where he's watched over his word to perform it? Testify, people. Testify to info at blindjesusfreak.com and uh, visit us on the web at www.blindjesusfreak.com and do tell us uh, in the comments as well what God has done for you. What promises has God fulfilled? But that's the one thing that I want you to walk away from here understanding is that we need to take God at his word. He is watching over his word to perform it. Do not allow your saying to nullify your praying. You know, if you believe God for something, then do not waver. The book of James says that the double-minded man not believe that he will receive anything, anything, which means if you get a word from God and you get the conviction and you pray, man, the moment that you see yourself talking against it, the moment you say that God says, don't worry about the electric bill. I've got this. I've got it covered. You say, yes, Lord. And you know, and again, you know, you say, well, how do I know? Well, you know how I know? I know because I spend time with the Lord. And when I spend time with the Lord, I get to know in my spirit when he's saying yes or no to something because I get to know him. God sometimes speaks to us very clearly. You ever met anybody, Jamie, with a real thick accent? Yes. You know, and it's difficult to understand them sometimes. But, you know, as you get to understand them, somebody will walk by and go, what the heck did they just say? You know, I, you're like, I understood exactly that. And you're having a great old time and they're talking their accented English and they're laughing and you're giggling and they're laughing and people are walking by going, what on earth? I can understand what he's saying. I don't know what on yeah. earth that other person's saying. Well, because they don't have a relationship. But once we start to have a relationship with God, we start to understand. He helps us understand him and get a confirmation. So the moment he gives you a confirmation for doing something, if you walk away and all of a sudden you have a moment of fear or a moment of doubt, you do what Peter did. What did Peter do when Jesus called him to walk out on the water? Peter walked out, got out of the boat by faith and walked on the water. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus and listened to what Jesus had to say and just followed Jesus' instructions, he was able to do the amazing thing. And I'm going to do a teaching one day very soon called, When You're Ready to Do the Ridiculous, God is Ready to Do the Miraculous. And that was pretty ridiculous. Remember, there were 11 other dudes in that boat. None of them stepped out. You know, But the moment that Peter started looking at the waves and everything, he sank. But what did he do? He immediately cried out, Oh, Jesus, save me. Help me. And Jesus smiles. Oh, you of little faith, get over here. Now, they didn't just appear back in the boat. They walked back, people. They walked back. 
which means that he reestablished the belief in the impossible thing that Christ was calling him to do. And they walked back and got into that boat and accomplished the purpose. So when you find yourself wavering, that's okay. Loud to waver. But the moment you do, go back and reestablish. Say, God, forgive me for my little faith. Let's reestablish what you said. I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to believe what you say, not what my flesh says, not what the devil's telling me, not what my Aunt Matilda's telling me, not what my sister's, not what my mom is telling me, not what my kids are telling me. I'm going to believe what you say. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? The thing that kind of stood out in my mind, and isn't it funny how you can hear a verse and you can read a verse and... You can even memorize a verse. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that wait upon the Lord shall not want any good thing or similar. I memorized that when I was, oh goodness, ninth or 10th grade. And tonight it really hit me. The young lions, the strongest, the most powerful, the ones most able to fend for themselves, they're doing and they're hunting and they're stalking their prey and they're doing what they can to live. And it's not working. They're hungry. But those who seek the Lord won't want any good thing. And it says in John fifteen seven here, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, which are basically they're in you, they're resting. Abiding means to rest. Ask whatever you wish and it shall be given to you, you know, or it shall be done for you. It shall be done for you. It's not it might be done for you. If you rest in me, notice the requisite here, or the prerequisite is that his word abide in you. So, you know, you can't go and say, Jesus, I'm going to believe that I'm going to win the lottery on Saturday night. That's not his word abiding in you people. He's not going to do that. But if you rest in his word and what he's told you to do, and his word is resting in you, which it's a seed, right? It's growing. You know, yeah, you're, you're never going to want. You're always in, and, and it, it will be done. And that comes through relationship, no matter how big and strong you are. It makes me want to not necessarily ask for stuff just to be greedy, but it makes me want to stretch my confidence and my faith in God a little. It makes me want to relax. It makes me want to go. <sighs> like that's let out the that whole idea. breath. Yep. That's the whole idea is to rest. Jesus said, my yoke is light. How many things doesn't the world try and yoke us with? How many concerns? And it I'm, looks uh, heavy. It, yeah, does, it does. But we're not pulling alone. I'm short. I'm four foot nine. So I don't have long arms. And I mean, if I did, that would never mind. <laughs> Look pretty odd. But the point is, there are plenty of things that I can't carry simply because I can't get my arms around them. I have another friend, she had a surgery. She's not supposed to lift more than five or ten pounds. She's taller than I am. Quote, yoked together, we can carry that thing. How much better when our imperfections are yoked with Jesus' perfection? That's a great illustration right there. That is really powerful. Because we all have strengths and weaknesses. We all have areas of great faith and then maybe not such a great faith and if we can pool our resources (laughs) you know we can go places well you know when i think about all the burdens that we have in life and all the call that god has put on us and uh of course after you get to hear somebody teaching and preaching for a while we all have kind of our own little life sayings so you might as well hear some of mine and one of the first illustrations i think of is that you know, though a thousand may fall to your left and 10,000 may fall to your right, nothing shall happen to you. Now, think about that for a second, though. What does that scene look like? You're in the midst of a battle. Picture a war. I mean, a really all out, knocked down, dragged out, bloody you know, bomb mortar shells flying everywhere, bayonets and rifles and horses and all kinds of craziness going on all around you. A thousand dead bodies to your left, 10,000 dead bodies to your right. Do you understand the level of faith it takes to believe, yeah, nothing's going to happen to me in the midst of that? Yeah, our church was privileged a few years ago to have a gentleman, Stanley Premnath, who was one of four people who survived the World Trade Center above where the planes hit. I forget which tower he was in. And he talks about being under his desk screaming 
and then getting out of there. And the thing I've always thought about, and that's been six or seven years ago, it's one thing to think about those prayers of faith where you're confident, you know, kind of like you said, Mike, you're all holy and you're all prim and proper and, or even just not so much that, but just confident, just loud. Yeah, and thanking God. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, man. And then there's another to be in the midst of hell, if you'll pardon me, all around you and screaming, God help me. That's faith too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Speaking of that, I saw on the Bible thing on the History Channel, when they had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you don't really think about the scene, right? When they're being thrown into the fiery furnace. Actually, what they're doing, Jamie, in the actual movie is Mm -hmm. they're warming up the furnace and these guys are claiming, God, God, we trust you. We believe in you. We love you, Lord. We believe we, you know, sanctify us. We give you thanks. We give you praise. They're praising God at the top of their voices as this fire is heating up. So they're crying out to God. They are activating their faith. They are walking. They're exercising their faith. So it doesn't mean to shut up. Speak. (laughs) Yeah. Speak. But, but rest assured, though a thousand will fall to your left and 10,000 will fall to your right. Nothing will happen to you. So do write us and tell us what your latest battle has been. You know, we could probably sit here and talk until next week, but you'll turn us off. So we will come back some more and talk about promises, all the wonderful things that God is doing in our lives. Hopefully we'll hear about some of what he's doing in yours. Do visit us on the web though at www.blindjesusfreak.com to follow us on Twitter. You can also uh, read our blog or our podcast notes here. You can comment. You can also subscribe to the podcast. And one day we'll get around to doing that Facebook page. Really? Really? I don't know when yet, but we will. We will. We will. But uh, hey, until next week, Jamie, Lisa, remember, you know how it goes. Everybody's a freak about something. So be a freak about Jesus. Thank you for checking out the Blind Jesus Freak Podcast with your host, Mike Calvo. A podcast that focuses on living a Christ-centered life with a visual impairment. Even if you don't have a visual impairment and you made it this far, we see you stuck around. If you learned something, we invite you to add us to your favorite podcasting software and make us a part of your regular biblical studies. You might just be blessed by how the blind look at God's word. Yes, the pun is totally intended. So stop being politically correct. And let's just relate to one another as God's kids. For more information about this ministry, visit us on the web at www.blindjesusfreak.com and learn how easy it is for you to connect with us and a bunch of other Jesus Freaks on your favorite social networks. Remember, everybody's a freak about something. Join us and be a freak about Jesus. After all, he's crazy about you.